0: You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. This episode features a conversation on fertility benefits coverage, recent legislative changes pertaining to these benefits, and options for counties to utilize clinical management services. NYSEC's Deputy Director Mark Levine is joined by Peter Nieves of Wynn Fertility for the conversation. When fertility provides advocacy and care throughout fertility benefit management, including medical and pharmacy, genetic testing, egg freezing, surrogacy, adoption, and reproductive behavioral health support.
1: Welcome to County Conversations. My name is Mark Levine and I'm the Deputy Director of your New York State Association of Counties. And I am pleased to be joined today by Peter Nievis, the Chief Commercial Officer for Wind Fertility. NISAC and Wind Fertility have been working together for a couple of years now on a fertility benefits program for county governments. And we thought this was a good opportunity to to explain to our county officials uh, what that relationship is and how it might benefit counties across the state. First, I wanna uh, thank uh, Peter for being with us and give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and about wind fertility?
2: Yeah, sure, thanks Thanks for having me uh, on. Uh, Yeah, so I am uh, the chief commercial officer, as you've mentioned, I've been with the company for three years. Um, My background, I've run large uh, health organizations and i was a senior partner in mercer so i've done a lot of consulting um, for you know public sector as well as private sector entities wind fertility is uh, the largest in membership of uh, fertility managers in the country and we're very happy to be uh, associated with your group we have uh, been around for 23 years believe it or not so we are not a startup we have been doing this for a long time Um, that's Led to a lot of experience and flexibility in the way that we're able to manage things, and I can, you know, happily say we handle some of the largest uh, municipalities in the state of New York, and, and looking forward to working with other groups um, in in the future. So thanks, thanks again for having me on.
1: In preparation for this discussion, I've read a little bit about uh, wind fertility, and we have an article in the latest edition of NYSAC News magazine. So I encourage. Our listeners to go out and take a look at that but one of the things that you say in there is that there are 18 states that mandate some level of fertility coverage can you discuss or or talk about what fertility coverage is some of our audience members may not know
2: yeah so the 18 states have varying levels of uh mandate as many of your um Members will likely know is that the New York State mandate changed as a result as a result of legislation pla- passed in two thousand and nineteen. So as of the first of twenty twenty, that program actually changed, and many of the programs in the eighteen states have changed. But for, specifically for the New York State uh, mandate, I think it's it's important to know that fertility coverage is about trying to help uh, your employees uh, with a very um, emotional challenging and increasingly difficult and prevalent uh you know physical challenge right you know it is a um one in eight right now of couples in the united states are facing fertility it continues to go up um it's soon to be that the male factor is about 50 contributes to about 50 percent of uh the uh, diagnosis of infertility for couples so the idea of Providing an employer-sponsored uh, program to help help those individuals overcome those costs and build their families is is really very uh, beneficial in many ways. Um, one, it helps and uh, helps to attract and retain employees, no question. Um, a recent survey has shared that is fertility coverage is actually one of the most sought benefits by millennials, and it's and the millennials are the ones, of course, utilizing it. They've waited. Till much later in life to start their families for a lot of reasons. And as a result of waiting past their prime fertility years, that's why there's, there's such demand. So they're, they're asking for it in the, in the public sector, certainly for you know the last uh, bunch of years there's been a significant adoption of these programs. But the benefit is to help them pay for all of the costs associated uh, with what they call assisted reproductive technologies. And that's, and ultimately those programs and a full IVF coverage can be, a full IVF cycle uh, could be twenty five to $30,000.
1: Great. Thank you. Yeah, so in, in 2019, the legislature enacted and the governor signed into law this legislation. And the governor made this a, a very important part or a part of his um, his administration. Can, can you talk about that a little bit first at the state level and maybe at the county level too, where where the folks who are listening to this podcast are, are situated?
2: Yeah. So the governor's women's justice agenda has, you know, essentially made this a. Um, a requirement for insured groups within the state, so you you know the groups that are essentially buying an insurance product to cover their medical benefits have likely had had seen or experienced a increase in their um, in their premiums going into 2020, perhaps disproportionate to the increases that they may have been expecting, and that was as a result of this being uh, these uh, three cycles. That's the way that they uh, the the mandate is um, been implemented. So it's offering three. Uh, support for three cycles of benefits included in the insured programs. So if they're buying, if your members are buying that, then they already have access to a program. The groups that are self-funded, uh, well, it's a little bit different. And so they they can opt into a program. Um, the insurers can offer the coverage. Uh, the benefit, interestingly enough, in the way that the legislation was written, does call for the prior authorization option and that's exactly what wind fertility does so the legislation gives the option of larger uh, uh, self-funded employers to provide the coverage and if they do opt in they have the ability to you know customize what that benefit would be doesn't necessarily have to be the three cycles and then i think i think there's a really very insightful in the way that the legislation was passed to allow for that prior authorization which Everyone has prior authorization. You ever go to your special a specialist? You know that your doctor puts in if you need to have a test done or if you need to go see a specialist. If you need to, it, you know, you get prior authorization. And when is in for many insurers, we're actually embedded in uh, in the insurance programs to do that either for their insured population um, or when they're self-funded. We have the ability uh, to offer that type of support.
1: Well, that's starting to answer the next question I had, which is. Um, so, so the governor's uh, women's agenda put this out there. The legislature passed it. Where does WEN fit in uh, in this process in terms of our counties and town governments who who are uh, having to pay attention to this now? So
2: we're a fertility benefit management group. We're clinical in our uh, support and the advocacy. We only we bring into this subspecialty a, uh, an army of reproductive uh, endocrinologist trained nurses to support the patients. Uh, we have experience in working with uh, you know, most of the health plans throughout the United States. Uh, we do have the ability to completely carve out a program and manage it separately um, outside of the health, uh, the health program. Uh, We also are one of the largest um, distributors of fertility pharmaceuticals in the in the U.S. Uh, We manage today roughly between somewhere between 11 and 13 percent of all IVF in the entire country. So, uh, what we are able to do is step in to work alongside and integrate in with the health plan uh, to provide the type of guidance and advocacy that the is just not available in from the health plans. So, like I said, a lot of health plans actually contract with us to be their, um, be their, in, you know, kind of their in-sourced, if you will. They try, they bring us in to do this this work for them. Um, but what what the counties would do is let coverage. We would actually we start typically with analysis, helping them understand and you know. I'll share some personal experiences with you. You know, I mentioned um, just in preparation, I've had uh, four four kids, three of them um, IVF, and um, I did not have coverage provided to my wife and I when we were going through it and we funded it ourselves. And we made some bad choices. You know, now that I'm in the fertility business, I certainly know that we made some really bad choices. And a lot of it was driven because I didn't have coverage. So we made choices after our sixth cycle, which is quite a few and very expensive, as I mentioned. Um, we had did, did a multiple, multiple embryo transfer. We transferred four embryos. We could have had quadruplets. And of course, naturally, any one of them could have split. I wound up having twins, thankfully. Um, but my twins were premature, very, very common. And that cost my employer, because they had to pay for my twin's NICU stay, the neonatal intensive care unit, um, in today's dollars, that could have been an $800,000 claim. So NICU claims, um, whether you have a program or not, are you know very likely driving up uh, costs for the counties, and they need to, need to understand that. So bringing us in to help identify those types of costs, if they're not aware of it, we can look back to see if any NICU claims are tied to, um, to likely infert- you know, unsupported infertility cycles. Uh, and then design a program, implement and then develop a program with significant ROI on on the fees that are associated with bringing us in to do that type of management.
1: Thanks for sharing. uh, uh, From my uh, personal experience too, I have three kids and one of those is an IVF child. So I'm interested to know, do you know what the trends are in terms of How many uh, babies are born each year, or how often is this uh, fertility services used these days?
2: It's used in about three percent of all um, of all pregnancies, I believe, are associated with uh, an IVF, and it's increasing. So I don't have the data with me, but you can visit the CDC uh, CDC website, and over the last eight to ten years, the increase in IVF usage is just been skyrocketing. And again, I mentioned earlier, it's, it's because of the pop aging pop, the population is just waiting till later in life to start their families. And as a result, it's, you know, generally between about, I've heard anywhere from between 27 and 35 years old is when, uh, you know, uh, fertility for both male and female uh, really starts to drop off dramatically. And, um, you know, we said, we see quite a few of our, you um, our patients are, you know, 37 and older, so it's um, it's it's driving the need of it. It's driving up cost, and it's driving up it's driving up costs in programs that are unsupported. And so, a lot of decisions by employers are well. If I get ahead of this, and I'm able to bring in a, a fertility management organization that offers nurses, then we help get match them to the right doctor, and we help make decisions. So to contrast the bad decisions my wife and I made arguable bad decisions. So I'm very happy with how it all turned out. But the idea of uh, managing a, a, a patient who now has coverage, has the ability to actually freeze multiple embryos. So let's say they go through the inject, the very expensive injectable drugs. They're able to harvest and fertilize five. You know, They get five embryos out of it. Instead of inserting like my wife and I did, four of them, uh, you'd freeze four and insert one. And if it doesn't take, then you go to the next one, it's called single embryo transfer. And so, you know, some doctors are doing it. I mean, we, just, we do have some instances, unfortunately, where um, we don't, we're not given the full authorization to deny a claim, and we've had situations where patients insist on having multiples. And you know they're doing so, and it's pretty. It's not necessarily the safest thing. It's not necessarily the best thing for uh, for the for the babies, and and certainly from the employer who wants to have a sustainable program, uh, it's pretty expensive. So the, the best program is a is a well managed program, and offering some financial support to the employees um, actually mitigates some of the costs that you're already having, and uh, of course you know. Increases productivity for the staff, uh, you know, for the population and uh, keeps them happy. And I think supporting the building of families is a, is a good thing.
1: Great, thanks. Um, yeah, and, and we talked ahead of time and I, I told you about the counties. We have three counties and, and, and that's growing. They started a, a stop loss captive for self funded counties. Mm-hmm. Right. And and a, and and a premature baby with a long NICU stay can really um, drive up. It, it, these are unexpected claims that can uh, really pierce that stop loss layer of a county's self-funded health health plan.
2: Yes, very true.
1: What are some of the other trends you might want to talk about today? Um as we talk about wind fertility and new f- fertility benefits that employers are offering and employees want.
2: So one of the, we focus so much on um, fertility for years, which as you can imagine is, is, is inherently um, looking at the female, uh, the, f- the female's infertility. And I mentioned earlier that there's, um, there's quite a lot that's changing, and that for whatever reasons that people have don't, you haven't, you know, the, the doctors and scientists haven't yet um, really identified, but uh, male, the contribution of male infertility uh, due to their own, you know, their own sperm count, either it's low or there's morphology issues, uh, is increasingly contributing to the overall need for IVF in the country. And so, um, so win is always like, as I mentioned, focused on the women. Um, we have been and been recognized from, you know, on, in the public side, you know, one of the, some of the most aggressive um, organizations in looking at, you know, how to support um, employees, you know, being, offer an inclusive benefit. And so we all, we can do adoption and surrogacy. So we're doing a lot more adoption and surrogacy support, sometimes under the same limit. So if you say you're going to give a lifetime maximum or some equivalent to what a cycle would be, you know, based on the cost, the idea of offering something that's conclusive so that you're not providing a benefit for just a portion of the population, you're offering something for everyone. Um, that's been been growing, at least in discussions and and some groups have adopted it. Um, the other is male factor testing. And so, you know, I again, I've been through this and and supporting the, the, the men. Um, we do uh, behavioral support uh, by our own staff so we do have um, people who help you know been helping the women and now they've been trained and, and work with the men more frequently and and um, and men are, are much more likely to um, uh, accept and um, receive behavioral or emotional support and um, in a virtual environment you know they don't want to go to a facility and but they'll do it on they' they'll, they'll, they'll work, talk to somebody on the phone and so we're now doing that that's a trend that we're seeing. Um, a lot of additional support for the for the men in, in this process. And then the testing, um, you know, going into a facility and providing samples is not always the most comfortable thing. And so we've partnered with a, a New York based company out of, out of Brooklyn called Daddy. Um, we're uh, working with them now to um, do at home testing. And so they've developed a proprietary vessel and, um, uh, and um, uh, the logistics around getting, um, you know, the sample um, box to to a a male patient, allowing for them to provide the sample and the privacy of their own home. Uh, There's a preservative and a shipping process. It's all, you know, very confidential. And and within 24 hours, uh, usually 24 to 48 hours, you know, they'll have the result. But it's really important to to, to do that. You know, not having the male factor element identified early in the process means you might wind up, as my wife and I did. Uh, we spent a lot of money on kind of less invasive fertility procedures, even though they were not the twenty twenty-five thousand dollars ones, but they were still three three to five thousand um, dollars. And you know, maybe most couples should just avoid that. So for a few hundred dollars, you know, get over that and get tested. So we're seeing that uh, happen. A lot more frequently, so um, you know those are those are some of the trends uh, that we're seeing. Is just you know significant demand, a lot more adoption, uh, you know overall, and um, and then you know the types of testing and support.
1: And and you talk a, a little bit about clinical management, or at least when fertility is known for its clinical management. Can you talk about um, uh, how clinical management or the the process or the philosophy that you bring to a, an employer and, and employees very importantly how it can help counties save money and also help employees who are going through this process.
2: Yeah, very important. That's a, that's a great question. So if you've been to the you know the doctors and of course the doctors you know mean well but they generally don't have enough time to spend with the patients. They don't. Uh, necessarily provide all of the education and let's face it you know there's a lot of things that can happen in life but you know not being being uh, potentially unable to have a family is enormously stressful for the couple and to um, walk into a doctor's office when you're that emotional and that stressed uh, you don't ask the right questions so having this clinical advocate assigned to you to, for, to you work with throughout your journey is a much better model than calling customer service who then gets you to maybe your health plans doctor or another health, you know another fertility management that says oh we have the best doctors in our network you know the the, the networks especially in new york there's a lot of really good doctors in surrounding states it's matching is understanding and doing the 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 medical history of the individual and making sure that if they have uh, you know, endometriosis and polycystic ovaries, and they're 40 years old, that they get to a, the right doctor, because there's plenty of good, great doctors, but get to the doctor that probably has the most experience dealing with older patients in those conditions. And that's what our nurses do. We do a lot of that matching. But then we also, you know, available 24-7, but you're assigned a nurse that you can schedule online through our app, or you can call and schedule. You, that's your nurse throughout your entire journey. So all of the questions, and we, we, I think we we did it recently there's about 30 outreaches that our our nurses have on either with the patient the patient spouse or to the health plan or to the provider to make sure that everything goes goes well and that the benefits are optimally utilized so the employers you know the health if the county is spending money to provide this we got to make sure that they're making good use of those dollars so we see ourselves as a steward of the program Obviously we want it to be sustainable for everyone's best interest. And so ultimately that clinical model means that you have governance and and experienced people providing oversight and guidance to the patient so they're better prepared to meet with their doctor. Any questions they can't get their doctor to call them back on, we're there to answer. When they usually, and you'd be amazed how many calls we get after 11 o'clock at night to our on-call nurses, um, because some, when they have to do the injections, so, and our nurses will work them through. We have, we do have video chat, so you, you can work with them. You get to know your nurse. It's, it becomes a very personal uh, relationship, and I think having a nurse who's worked in a clinic for a minimum of five years is a lot better than having a customer service person who just says, here's a good doctor, had it, good
1: luck. Yeah, that's great. The clinical management is, is so important. So, it's important as counties look across their their employee or their teams or their staff these days, they, they're seeing people retire. They want to be attractive uh, employee employers for for new employees and for the to keep and retain their young employees. They don't want to leave. So I encourage those county officials who are listening to this podcast to share. This this conversation with those in your counties who are interested, it should be listened to by your risk manager, by your personnel director, and by the individuals who work for your county who may need or want this type of service. So Peter, if somebody calls their personnel director to find out if the county has these types of services, where can the county go next? How can they contact you or your team? Uh, or what, should they, what questions should they ask of their health insurer to find out what kind of coverages they have?
2: So if, they, uh, if there's interest, of course, they should inquire uh, with their health plan about what services they have available. And generally what you'll find in the state of New York is they'll say, um, we, we can provide coverage. And so, meaning we can give you a limit, we'll manage the cycle limit or we'll manage to a dollar lifetime maximum. Those are options that you'll generally get. Um, They'll provide their definition of infertility. and, And then generally what unfortunately happens, I think with a health plan only program is they're really, like I said earlier, there's really no management. There's no clinical advocacy, there's no support. And so for really what is amounts to, you know, uh, with with our relationship, we're offering, you know, the discounted PEPM. It's um, about you know very insignificant related to the overall cost to bring wind fertility. And that's the only way we're compensated is is through a PEPM. Um, they may choose to say, "Hey, you know what? My health plan doesn't, you know, is is kind of being very difficult." And we could actually then step in and use our doctor network, uh, our unit costs. We can use our pharmacy distribution uh, approach. So there's a lot of options. It's just a matter of do you know what what can I get? How does it work? Start digging deep. And you know, they I think right now the way we're set up is that anyone can call me directly, and then I'll you know either you know speak to them or. And do some of my my old type of consulting work, or I'll uh, turn it over to one of our representatives who can, you know, equally provide you know the guidance and support on on next steps.
1: Great. We'll include your contact information in the description of the podcast when we post this. So thank you very much. Are there sure. any questions that I haven't asked that I should have asked as we get uh, ready to wrap this this conversation up?
2: You know, I think. What's interesting is to recognize that again, we talked about you know how difficult it is to go through this. Um, you know, our we've have nearly 100% client retention for the last 10 years um, as as an organization. We also just in November. Um, and keep in mind, not everybody gets pregnant on every IVF cycle. Although we greatly improve outcomes, that's a very important thing. The matching to the right doctor, having the guidance, and making good decisions. Actually leads to significantly improved outcomes over national averages. So that's we didn't talk about that, but I think that's important to know. And the other thing is as we're providing this type of oversight and making sure that we're tying in the, the, the amount of what's what's being prescribed um, or actually asked to be dispensed matches what's in the treatment plan. You don't want very you don't want very high-cost drugs being dispensed if you don't have to. So we also manage that. Um, and we do all of this in, in November, we had a third party do a statistically um, valid survey of our patients, and we got a 98.7% satisfaction rating. And, and that's with or you know people who didn't get pregnant, but they so appreciated the way that they were handled through the process. So you know, I think last thing is generally we have about a 700% return on the cost um, of wind fertility. So, if you when we take over a program like we did for you know large, very large city, uh, you know, they, they had actually had a, a program in place. And when we, we took over, we were able to dramatically uh, reduce costs as a result of our effective clinical management and governance of the program.
1: And we hear great things and and that's why we're continuing this relationship with Wind Fertility. I wanna thank Peter Nieves for being our guest today for County Conversations to talk about the fertility benefits in New York State and and some of the, the benefits that counties can offer their employees and are currently offering their employees. I don't know if we stressed that enough, but Wind Fertility is working with a number of municipalities in New York including several counties. So Peter, again, thank you for the, your time today and we appreciate our ongoing relationship.
2: Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in to hear more insightful interviews on policy and innovative solutions at the county level. And feel free to reach out to our staff if there is a topic you would like to hear us discuss on the podcast.